I just wrote a couple notes for this. Is, uh, um, you know, 3 John 2, I was talk- talking about this last week, is John talking to his, his friend. He says, Beloved, above all else, I want you to prosper, be in health equally or even as your soul prospers. So all prosperity comes out of where? Soul prosperity, inside. It's from the inside out, right? And so there's not this outside force you have to fight. In fact, I was showing you that today is the Hebrews, the Diablos or the devil, they believe the devil was not a created entity that you have to fight. And that's why I go, hey, I don't want to get in a theological argument. That's worthless to me. But if you must believe that there's this force outside you that's real, please believe he's under your feet and you're so far above him, seated in heavenly places in the place of honor, that it's irrelevant to you. Does that make sense? So, but I just... I, I believe the guys who actually wrote it probably have it correct, the scriptures. And they said, it is not a created thing. The devil is the opposite of God in action, meaning that we take the only source, which is the power within, and we create evil with it. So it was the twisted serpentine mind, our minds, that believe the wrong thing, produce the wrong results. So there's nothing outside that you have to fight. That should be good news, but people, no, I like the devil. <laughs> are you saying there's no devil? And they get mad. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's working in you. I can see. Not literally. Like, you know. But it's the twisted mindset. Does that make sense? Is when, you, when you're a little kid, I, the first time I, I heard about the devil and hell, doesn't it scare you? It's crazy then, isn't it? Because it says there's no fear in love because perfect love casts all fear out because fear has the eye of torment. Well, there's nothing outside of torment in the devil and hell if you're going to take it literally versus I believe how they taught it. It's, it's not understanding who you are and who God is. Believing the separation that he's perfect love and he's in and through and withholds you and he'll never leave you. That's heaven. That's, that's where you start to experience life. So I want to get into an argument because we were talking about that. It's like Just love wins at the end of the day. It's perfect theology, isn't it? It's re- it just wins. So anyway, um, the Almighty, I was just writing some notes. The almighty power of God, which knows no bounds, is released by what we believe in our heart. That's, what it, that's really what it means. And so we have to get rid of this old, old thinking of separation, that we're not worthy, that we're not loved, that somehow we're st- still eating from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or the good, bad tree, right? That's how most of us were brought up. If you're good, you're, God's good to you. If you're bad, what? Curses you, or, or something's wrong, and nothing could be further from the truth. And uh, uh, so... As you see Jesus, as in a mirror, you're seeing you. He's, he's, he's what life is supposed to look like. He's the redeemed man or the second Adam, meaning the first Adam, we had the, the, the fleshy Adam or the wrong thoughts, and the spiritual Adam is think on the right things, and you're going to experience the right things. That's the, the second Adam. And so, uh, you know, in 1 John it says, as he is, so are we in this world, right? So just like the law, as in a mirror, showed you how bad you were and created death, Jesus, the spirit, I go, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen you. Isn't that cool? Because he goes, you're going to realize when I send the spirit, the spirit of sonship, that you're in me, I'm in you, and we're in the Father, and we all join this life together. And if you've seen me, you've seen God in a body. Well, if they've seen every one of you, they've seen God in a body. They've seen heaven meet earth, what we just sang about, the incarnation, right? The spirit meets flesh. You're the temple where heaven and earth meet. Isn't that cool? The whole scriptures are about that, just showing who you are and uh, what life's supposed to look like. So anyway, um, our job, really, if you're in, in ministry, in my opinion, is to show you the real you, get rid of all stinking thinking about who you are and that you're not worthy or you're not, uh, uh, that's the hardest part, I think, for all of us, because we still can go back into that good, bad tree so easily. 
that, man, I'm not worthy. I, I didn't live up to it. I didn't read my Bible today. Or it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, in fact, I, I got a bunch of hate mail on that one. So you don't read your Bible and fast? I'm like, I didn't say that. I'm saying I don't have to read my Bible and fast to qualify for the blessing. They're mine, regardless. And if you don't believe that, that's where I just take them back to, what did they do for the first 400 years before the New Testament was written? And I like to joke about it, but I go, they're shadow-healed people. Let's just get back to that. Because we're supposed to, <laughs> wouldn't that be good? That the, we're, his love is just so emanating out of us that when it gets around people, their body responds. That was Peter, that was John, that was Paul, that was, I, I said another shocking thing the other night, and I probably got some, so we'll stay out of that. Hey, let's just get into this. Oh, my glasses. <laughs> I got to put them on so I can read what I wrote. All right. Okay, Old Testament, or just a little review. Old Testament are types and shadows of good things to come. You guys follow me, right? Meaning it's foreshadowing something good. So I, I hope this just helps you understand Scripture a little bit. We've talked about this as uh, the law can't get you in. That's why Moses in the Scriptures didn't get in. The truth is, was, was Moses in the presence of God? Of course he was. That's the, out at the, the Mount of Transfiguration. Who did they see up there, right? Yeah, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, and Right? And then they said, hey, let's, let's, let's tabernacle with all three. And then the father, Elijah and Moses disappear. And they go, no, no, listen to my son. Those were just foreshadowing my son's the real truth. You guys got it? Everything's pointing to Jesus and who you are in him. All scriptures. So anyway, Joshua, we, we read the first part of Joshua, Joshua 1. Moses, the servant, this idea that you need to slave and work and read your Bible fast, do all these religious things in order to be blessed is out the window is what he's saying. The servanthood, the slavery is gone. Yeshua, go take them across the River Jordan, right? You guys follow me? So the Jordan is where this symbolic thing where the, old, the Jews were crossing in from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And there's always a 40 in there, a 40-year period where the, the ends of the covenants overlap and they're kind of walking around in the wilderness, right? Could they have gone into the Promised Land at any time? Yes, they could have. But the idea of this slavery, this servanthood had to die. So it's all a picture of that. So anyway, but this is pretty cool. So Joshua 3, without showing you, when the priests who, so this is a foreshadowing of something good that's going to happen. Jesus is obviously, the new covenant is the real thing. So when the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, touch down in the waters of the Jordan, its flowing waters will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the high priests and the ark of the covenant touch the water, the flood's going to stop. Follow me? Okay. So when people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of them. Now, the Jordan overflows its banks. So when the river right here is overflowing its banks right now, isn't it? But if, if a river is overflowing its banks, what do we call that? A flood, right? So anyway, flood was always judgment, was always death. Under the water was always where you died. And uh, anyway, so the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. Isn't that what Jesus said? Hey, at this time, the Jordan's overflowing. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the, the laborers are few. It's all the same story. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season, but as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the flood, the judgment, stood still. It backed up as far upstream as Adam. Adam is what, just if we read our Bible? The first man. So all judgment has been removed all the way back to the first man. Isn't that cool? Yes, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yes, I think it's cool. So I, I think that's really cool. So anyway, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the law died. All judgment and sin died. And we'll show that, you that in Scripture. So what he's trying to say is sin is really this distorted image of who we are. 
So this old covenant, which could only show you death, which should only call you slavery, has to go away. That's why um, there's, just look at it. There's picture after picture after picture in the New Testament. So Jesus, when he rises from the tomb, what was rolled away? Stones rolled away. So it means the old covenant's gone. The stones are gone, right? And Mary, the disciples, ran in. The stone was rolled away so they could go boldly into the throne of grace. You guys get it? So the stones rolled away so they can go face to face with Jesus. But what did they see? They saw the mercy seat, which is, that means something to them. They saw an angel sitting on each side with Jesus' blood on the stones. It's all the same story if you start getting it. So that's why the tabernacle of David, they had the, the Jews had their, their tabernacle up and living where they're killing lambs. But David brought the, the tabernacle of David into Jerusalem, and uh, Jew Gentile could come. It was just one court. They had the Ark of the Covenant there, and all it was was worshiping. You didn't have to sacrifice anything. So anybody could come with praise and glory right into the presence of God. That's why it says he's restoring the tabernacle of David, because there's no death. You, you, we didn't have to sacrifice an animal. Jew Gentile, everybody could go. So I'm getting off track, but it's all the same story is what I'm trying to show you. Okay? So... The law died. All judgment, sin, consciousness was supposed to be all the way back to Adam because that's what Hebrews says. The Crossover's book says, hey, the sprinkling of blood on your heart should leave no more consciousness of sin, right? So the distorted image or that's the sin is thinking that God's gonna deal with us based on our behavior, whether we're good enough, bad enough. It always leaves you unworthy. Or, well, I shouldn't say that. Deep inside, it always leaves you unworthy, but some people boast in their self-righteousness and go, at least I don't do this, and that person does, so I'm a little bit better, right? You either, you either feel totally unworthy or you get really judgmental and start criticizing Christians. You ever see legalistic Christians that are just mean? <laughs> They're pretty mean. So anyway, only at church. Yeah, hopefully not here. Hopefully not here, right? So anyway... And hopefully you don't walk out with sin consciousness here. So if you do, I'm doing it wrong, right? The distorted image or the slavery portrayed by the old covenant died. The slave image where you, you have to work for your blessings. As Jesus rose from the Jordan, the spirit of sonship was given. We realize he's our dad. That's what the whole story is about. So next slide. Uh, so now let's look at the fulfillment in the new covenant. So I just picked a few more scriptures than last week. So these, th these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan. They got across. The cross are over. They got a cross from the old covenant to the new covenant, right? John was baptized. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, oh, by the way, so John, what was he, John wearing? Stephen, it's the difference of camping, laying on the ground, or camping in a camper. One, you're acting like an animal, right? No, I'm serious. Beastly is what it says. It's camel hair in a, in a belt, right? And he's, he's eating the Jerusalem diet. Like, all these Christians are like, I'm on that diet. They go, stop. It's, we're at the marriage feast of the Lamb. Eat, right? Go to Golden Flames. <laughs> you guys got some good stuff there now. That's what Barbara's like. They got all this stuff. What was the stuff? We had all kinds of crazy stuff. Cheese curds. Cheese, come on. Cheese curds. You had fried, fried pickles. What else you got? Fried pickles. Fried avocados. Uh, wings, obviously. They got tons of wings, but there's only one set of wings. What's, what's the one I like? Golden the golden flame. Yeah, it's delicious. So well, here's my point. John, John the Baptist, Jesus says, hey, everybody in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist was still Old Covenant. Mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense? He took the Nazarene vow and all these crazy things. So Christians now still think they have to fast and all these things. Like, that's fine, but don't think you're any more holy than me pagan out at, at eating my fried pickle curds and wings. It's delicious. And I'll outlive every one of you because I don't believe that stuff affects me. I promise. I have some zero issues, do I? I don't even have an ache. Like, you eat that all day, every day. It's good. It's, why would you? It's good. It's good for you. Right? It's good for you. It is soul. It's good for my soul. Exactly right. It's soul food. It's really good for my soul. I'm happy when I eat it. So anyway, if you guys want to eat locusts and stuff, have at it. But you're missing the symbolism, right? The symbolism is it's beastly, the beastly character of man, the, 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 the thing that things were not worthy to be a son and have this feast, right? So John the Baptist is eating Locusts and he's hairy, you know. Who was the, who was the king that Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, so he crawled on the animal and had hair, right? And then you guys know him. That's a picture of us, okay? That's all a picture of us, where we think we're beastly, not worthy, etc. The fallen mindset, and then Jesus comes to reveal this is what sonship looks like. That's why Jesus comes eating and drinking, not in camel hair or whatever hair, looking like an animal, eating locusts. Follow me? So anyway, um, so behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the cosmos, all creation. So he, something's going to happen at this River Jordan where he takes the sin all the way back to the first man. He takes away the sin of all creation, right? So in Matthew, uh, here's just a little more insight into this whole thing. Matthew 3.10, the axe lies ready at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Which tree is he talking about there? Go back to Genesis. There's two different trees. Tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. So Jesus curses which tree? The fig tree, which is the picture of the knowledge of good and evil. So when, when quote unquote Adam and Eve ate from that tree, they covered themselves with Fig leaves. Get it? So that's why Jesus comes out. He's going to cut down every tree that does not bear fruit. And the fig tree was this. It's a sycamore tree or a fig tree. It looks good, but it didn't produce fruit. Isn't that what Jesus said? Hey, you guys look good. You smell good. You're following the law. You're praying. You're going. You're, 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 you're doing all these things. You're serving God, but it cannot produce fruit. I'm cutting that tree down. Don't ever eat from that tree again. You guys get it? Okay, and that's why Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree, which is a fig tree, thinking, I've got to climb this tree in order to reach God, right? Fig tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What did Jesus tell Zacchaeus? Get down from the tree. I'm going to come to your house. Isn't that what he told everybody? I go away to prepare a place. In my father's house are many abodes. Which, are the, which of those mansions are abodes? Zacchaeus, you got this thing wrong. You're trying to do these works to reach me. In that day, you're going to realize I'm in your house. See all the symbolism? That's really cool. So Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. You guys didn't sing those songs? I got one for you. Yeah, there you go, Beth. That's right. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. They missed all of it, but they missed what it's really about. Yeah. <laughs> how about this one? Um, how did Moses cross the Red Sea? Did you guys sing that one? That one's really a corny one. It, it's, it goes like this. It's like, uh, 
How did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did he get across? God blew with his wind, puff, 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 puff. He blew just enough, nuff, 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 nuff. <laughs> and through the sea, he made a path. That's how he got across. I remember all those songs. That's, a, that's bad cellular memory, actually. So anyway. Anyway, so here's what he's saying. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He's the consuming fire. His fire consumes all of man's work, so that's all that's left is silver, gold, and precious stones. You don't have to work for this stuff, guys. It's your inheritance. It's all the same story. You guys follow me? Isn't scripture more fun like this when you actually can understand it? So, so here's John the Baptist. I baptize you with water for repentance, for a change of heart, right? But after me will come one more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with water? What is he going to baptize people with? The Holy Spirit and fire. One baptized with water. One's going to, he's like, I'm not going to baptize, Jesus Jesus guy's not going to baptize with water. He's way more powerful. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And we'll, we'll pack this a little bit so you understand what he's talking about there. <clears throat> At that time, Jesus came from the Galilee to the Jordan. See, this, here's this whole Jordan scenario again, to be baptized by John. John tried to prevent him. Like, no, no, you don't need baptism in water. I need to be baptized by you, by the Holy Spirit and fire. Right? But then Jesus says, hey, let it be for now because I'm going to fulfill all righteousness. Why did he say that? Because he literally didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. So he, he, he perfectly fulfilled the law. So... Because God says in Deuteronomy 28, it says, if you perfectly do all these things, then all these blessings come upon you. So did Jesus perfectly fulfill the law? Yes, then all the blessings come upon you. And he's the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn who gets a double inheritance to take care of his whole family. So whether you're under the law or not outside the law, guess what? You get the inheritance. So Jesus says, hey, you can baptize me in water, John, because John's like, I know this isn't the real deal. Because everybody outside of here is greater than me than, it, than in the new covenant than I am right here. Because I still have this image of beastly character and I'm eating locusts and stuff. So at that, so he came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tries to prevent him like, no, no, don't get in water. We'd get all excited if people want to jump in water now. But John wasn't. John was not excited about this deal. So saying, I need to be baptized by you and you, don't, and you come to me? Let it be so now, Jesus replied. It's forbidding for us to fulfill all righteousness in this way. As soon as, so we've talked about this, but I want you to see it again. Let's talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire real quick. So baptism means what? Does anybody know? And all it means is immersion. You've been taught it's water, but it's immersion, completely immersed in something. So they, the Old Covenant, they would baptize in water. And this is what I, I, it's again, it's a theological thing, but I want you to get it. It's so much powerful because people are like, you don't believe in baptism? I said, I didn't know. It's clear it's by faith in the New Covenant. So whether there's water or no water, it's irrelevant to me. Did the guy on the cross meet Jesus that day? No water. Right? And you can't find evidence of the disciples being baptized. Guess it wasn't that big a deal, right? So it means complete immersion. So the Holy Spirit. Holy means set apart. You're holy. You're, to me, it's like your church clothes. That's what we think, right? It's set apart. But he's saying you're set apart. You're weighty. You're holy. You're kavot. And so what spirit did he send? A spirit of fear or a spirit of sonship where you cry, Abba. So he goes, when you get it, that you're a son or a daughter in the Father's house, if you get fairly immersed in that, that's going to be your baptism. 
not water. And when you get that idea, my love, my consuming fire, my passion, my all-consuming fire is going to burn up all the chaff, all the wrong stuff that doesn't bear fruit. I'm going to burn this whole law system up, right? And all that's going to be left is spirit. You guys get it? So, so at Pentecost, Peter's preaching, right? And then the people say what? It says 3,000 believed. And they said, what must we do to be sozoed, to be saved, is what it says in King James or the translations. It literally means healed. And what does Peter say? Anybody know? Be baptized in the, in the water? In the name of their Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And you shall be healed. Now, you have to understand this, guys. I'm just trying to show you that whether you want water or not, if you want, I'll throw you in water. What you really, what you really need is to get that you're a son or a daughter, what he's trying to say. When you're immersed in that, holy smokes, you're no longer ordinary. You have the anointing within, right? You thought we were separate from God. No, you, God, and the Holy Spirit are one. When you get immersed in that, Katie, bar the door. This is going to be good stuff, right? So he tells them, see, what you need to understand is they were very legalistic. It was the feast. All these people from all over gathered in Jerusalem, and it's a, it's a Shabbat. It's a, it's a Sabbath, right? So on the Sabbath, you can't even walk this far. And I'm sure they're not going to take the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees' baptismal pools and start dunking people. So when he says, you need to be immersed in the name, you need to realize you carry your birth from God. Your name is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not Popovich anymore. I'm born of him. Guys, get it? Surnamed. When you're immersed in that concept, you'll be healed. It wasn't water. It was a Sabbath. There's no way these guys walked all the way to a a, a pool and violated the law in front of all these Pharisees and Sadducees. So just get it. The new covenant is spiritual, and it's a truth in everything. Your soul will prosper as you get what's true about you. Okay? Water, no water. I'm just trying to show you... People, whole denominations get split up because they don't believe they get saved by water. Like, well, John and Jesus didn't either. Okay? And they're very legalistic throughout scriptures. They're like, oh, when they, when they see them start uh, praying in other languages, they're going, oh, should we forbid them water? They just didn't get it yet. There's one baptism is what Paul says. There's one. Right? And that's the baptism that Jesus is going to give. It's going to be immersed that you're a son and his passionate love for you is going to burn up all wrong belief. That's your immersion. Okay? Got it? All right. All you guys online? You're still... Yeah, relax. That's the best thing. (laughs) I'm not going to fight you. It's just like, if you think you need water, go get in water. It's wonderful. Okay. It's fantastic. I just thought it was not overwhelming to me. Because we were like, God, you, you haven't been baptized in water? Like, yeah, as a kid, you know, like threw some water on me and whatever. And, uh, oh, no, man, you don't know what you're missing. So we go through this whole thing. They got the band playing, everything else. We come out of this whirlpool, and I was like, what are you guys so excited about? They're like, wasn't that amazing? And I'm like, no. It was totally uneventful to me. Just because it, anyway. <sighs> So anyway, what's going to happen when Jesus and the high priest? So John the Baptist is the son of Zechariah. He's next in line to be the high priest. Paul tells us clearly that Jesus is the propitiation of our sins. Jesus is the mercy seat. The mercy seat's attached to what? The Ark of the Covenant. So 
the high priest and the Ark of the Covenant, when as soon as it touches the River Jordan, what happens to sin? It's backed up as if it never existed all the way back to the first Adam. You guys get it? So after the legalism's gone, after this sin, sin is removed for as far as the east and the west, what's going to happen? It's a transition from the old covenant to the new covenant, right? So at the time, Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, John to prevent him saying, no, 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 this, this, this water baptism is an old concept. Let it be so for now because I need to fulfill the law, John. Suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God. So after the old covenant's gone, the spirit was released at Pentecost, right? The spirit of God descended like a dove and resting on him tabernacled on him, lived with him, right? And a voice from heaven said, what? This is my beloved son. Slavery is being transferred to this idea that you're in God's family. You're a son of God. And as Jesus is, so are you. So there's nothing you can do that will ever remove you from the son or daughter of God, and he's totally well-pleased with you. There's nothing you could ever do to remove his love, his blessing, his favor. Nothing. Is that awesome? Nothing. Sin has been removed as far as the east and from the west, all the way back to the first Adam. You guys seeing it? Just like it was prophesied in the old covenant actually happened in the new covenant. So the old covenant, the good bad tree was knocked down at the roots, right? Jesus cursed the fig tree. The old covenant system was literally burned down in AD 72. It's exactly like he said. This whole thing that doesn't produce fruit is going to be burned down the ground going to be cut off at the axe. So anyway, <clears throat> a voice from heaven said, this is my son. This is the new covenant. You're a son and he's well pleased with you. Okay. So trying to work for the biggest thing. I don't care if you work for your righteousness, as long as you believe you're righteous already. Like if you, if you love religious activities, no problem, but whether you do it or not do it does not change the fact that you're a beloved son, fully worthy of everything God has. This is the new covenant. You're going to get this spirit that there's no separation. You're going to, you're going to have a spirit that cries He's my dad. And if I'm born of him, he left me an amazing inheritance. I get the whole estate. So what does Jesus own? We, we covered that last few weeks. All creation. So there is something too when he says, hey, I've created all things and I've given you dominion over how much of creation? All. Where do we take it? Not by commanding it. And I command this authority. You can be so far from an understanding <laughs> I've seen people yell, scream, spit, right? I'm like, uh, just come over here. Let's go to Golden Flame. <laughs> we, know, we know we're perfectly loved, which that means I have the fullness of God within. Amen? So anyway, that whole bad system was cut out and replaced with a promise of your inheritance, and he's always well pleased with you. Cool? Got it? All right, let's keep going. Keep moving. All right. All right. Real quick. So the Jews thought, hey, you know what? This idea that my father is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, therefore we're sons of God. The Spirit says something else. For those who are led by the Spirit, not by the law or flesh, that you were born into Jewishness or, or whatever you want to call it. So the people who are led by the Spirit are the true children of God. The Spirit received does not make you slaves so that you have to go work for your, at, your blessing you, so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you adoption through sonship. And by him we cry, Daddy, this beloved Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. We are God's children. Nothing to do. We are God's children, right? So now if we are children, if we're born from him, if he's, if he's our dad, then what does that mean as far as inheritance? Then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, his death, then we also get to share in his glory. That's why Paul says, you guys are seated at the right hand of the Father 
in the place of honor. He will honor you, favor you, bless you ridiculously. We've got to get our mind into that. Like, you know what? You just favor me ridiculously because I'm seated at the right hand and you're well pleased with me. No matter what. Isn't that cool? Even if you told the guy that you're number one on the interstate this, today driving here, you're still... What's that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was you. Take those fish off the back, Martha. So, right? Anyway... Now, I want to show you, we're, Barb and I were talking to Bill and Ann Borlas, uh, friends of ours from Tennessee who are tying in. John 14 through 16. This has just really been impacting me. I've covered a couple of these, but in writing, it says, you know what? Uh, uh, truths will be confirmed by two or three witnesses, right? Yes. So what happens if there's four or five? It's a, it's a serious deal, is it not? So between John 14 and John 16, Jesus tells them five times, if you go look at it, depending on how you count it, it's four or five. But anyway, he's trying to emphasize a, a point. So if he covers something in that short a period of his letter, he's trying to hammer a, a, an idea home. Is he not? At least that's what I believe. And so five is always perfect grace and favor. So when he tells you something five times, it means this is totally by perfect grace and favor. So John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Isn't it about time we do greater works than him? I think so. And so, and greater works than, and, uh, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And what I, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the father may be glorified in the son, meaning that you're going to see that the weight of the father is in me by what I do right? Because Jesus came as us. He, he had nothing that looked different than us, but he says, at least believe what I do, that the Father dwells in me. And then he says this, is people are going to know you by what you do, because they're going to see the works. And it's not, I'm, I'm, it's not religious, I'm praying for you. It's, I'm praying for you, and there's results. Got it? That's how it should be, is it not? And the only thing keeping people from results is thinking they're not doing it right. Because then they're not exactly right. He, sh- he tells you five times. If you ask anything in my name, that is not, whether you want to yell Jesus or not, I just do it so I get less hate mail. Um, if you ask anything in my name, that is not in Jesus' name. Whatever. Zero. doesn't matter if you scream it, spit it. It's when you understand that everything's available to you because you're in my family, you carry my surname, then you'll realize if you need anything, it'll happen to you. Because it's going to come from a revelation from within. That everything Jesus has, I have. So if I need it, do I have it? Yes. When you get that, so he tells us this five times, I'll show you. So if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All right, we'll go to the next slide. John 15, so next chapter. I am the vine, you are the branches. So he's trying to give us earthly things so we understand this a bit. He who abides in me. What does he identify himself as? Mainly, love. So if you're going to abide in me, is if you abide in love, I am, and in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do anything. If anybody's not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. See that theme again? Like, hey, I'm going to cast out all the junk. Don't try to think you have to earn this thing, guys, with a good or bad tree. Don't think you're not valuable. If you don't abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and he's withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in love, I'm just going to use that instead of me. If you abide in me and my messages about abide in you, because what does he say? Hey, know that the Father loves you, right? Because he tells them that. The new covenant is you're a beloved son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You're all sons and daughters, and he's well pleased with you. If you abide in that, you're going to bear much fruit. 
But if you start dabbling around, I'm not worthy. Uh, gosh, am I doing this right? It's, it clogs up the fruit, right? So he tells us, I'm the vine, what are the branch? So my wife grew up on a winery. So the branches, what sends all of the, the nutrients and everything to the branches that actually get to display the fruit? We are for the display of him, his splendor. We do nothing but hang out and believe the truth and it produces fruit effortlessly. He's the vine. He produces all the nutrients, all the flow, all the anointing, all the everything. We just to go, I agree with that. Produce some awesome fruit in me, Lord. And I, we get to look good. That's what it is, right? Worth of, that's really what he's trying to show you here. You can't do anything unless you're attached to me, right? So, <clears throat> where was I? If you abided me in my words, mind you, you will ask anything you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. There's no gray area here, is there? Hey, abide in love. Realize you're totally worthy as a son. Whatever you require, it's already done. You're going to have it. No questions asked. So if, my, if love abides in you, you will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that we get to hang out as the branch and display his splendor. Is that cool? See, people should come to us and go, you're a Christian? That's really weird because you're happy and stuff works in your life right? That's how it should work. I, I honestly, I, I love it when they go, you're a Christian? Man, you just, I'm like, praise God, that's such a compliment to me. So, and we get it a lot, don't we? Because we don't run around going, have you accepted him? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't got the real baptism. You haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Neither of you, because you don't understand what it means. So, <clears throat> no longer do I call you Servants, see this transition he's trying to make again? You're not slaves. You're no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, or you're one with, you're, you're close to me. For all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not chose me. Hey, I, I found him. He tells us clearly, hey, you, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should remain. That, how are we going to remain, how are we going to get fruit that remains? Whatever you require, I don't like the word ask. It literally, if you go, if you, if you desire or require anything, it's done for you. That's a lot, isn't it? So whatever you ask the Father, knowing that you already qualify for it in my name, he will give you. You guys counting? That's three, right? Now let's go to the next slide. If we keep going, let's go to John 23. John, John 16, I mean. When you get this... When that spirit comes and you get the idea that you're a son, if we, if we take that in context, I covered this last couple weeks. When that spirit comes and you realize, oh my God, God's in me. The spirit has met flesh. I'm the temple. And the spirit himself no longer produces fear, but I'm a son. I'm a daughter worth all of everything that Jesus has. Truly, I truly say to you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's the fourth time he tells us this, isn't it? Then hitherto you've asked nothing in my name because you didn't know you were one with me. You didn't know you qualified because I haven't sent the spirit that you get at your son yet. That's what he tells us. Ask, and God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he says no. You shall receive so that your joy may be full. You guys getting this? All right, so you can get to your feet. I, I want you to, so what is prayer? Prayer is not, um, Father, can I have this? Because you're already a joint heir of Jesus Christ. So how much, of, how much of creation do you own? All. That's why he says take dominion over it. Not by... It's, it's all by light. It's all by revelation. It's by understanding who you are inside. When you get it, that 
if I require anything, and the easiest way for me, you've heard me do this, is if he's the most loving husband in the world that's passionate about his bride, you and I, Bishop Yadipo, when we were in Bible school, he would say this. He would, ever, he would say, did you ever see the bride of a king walking in drowned in rags? Never happened, would it? He goes, we're the bride of a king, guys. When you get that, when that spirit comes, that, oh my gosh, I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ, you become unordinary, Right? And the total power of God is released from the inside. Doesn't Jesus say, all things are possible to him who believes, right? So how do you believe? If you abide in love and you realize anything I'm ever going to require, you meditate on this. If I, if I need anything, he loves me like a son or a daughter and he loves me like a bride and he's good. And everything he owns, I own. So I'm not asking him to see if he'll respond I'm responding knowing I already have it through revelation. And what you believe in your heart will produce, just like a seed. We've covered this so many times. He goes, the mystery of the kingdom of God, how do you produce the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden, I don't believe, was this physical place. It's your heart. If you put the wrong stuff in there, you start to experience death. If you put the good stuff in there, you start to experience life, right? Cut down that tree of wrong stuff in there. That's what he's saying. Don't even eat from that tree again. Sounds good, but you're going to beat yourself up going to cause death. So how much can we believe for? Anything that's already yours. And he says, all creation is yours. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Amen? So anything you're going to ever need, you already possess it. Yeah, it's here. So he says, I've already given you everything. What's that? What are you worried about? Because I'm a knucklehead. He said, <laughs> he said, what are we worried about? It's our own knuckleheadedness all the time, isn't it? We forget who we are. We forget who we are. It's self-inflicted nonsense, sin. That's exactly right. And we all, well, I shouldn't say all you, because I, I have it now and then, right? <sighs> but this is what he says. Hey, you know, when you ever have that, remind yourself. So, so Jesus reminds us five times in those chapters, everything you're ever going to need is yours. That's where your faith comes from. That's where this revelation comes from. So anyway, you're where they would receive the very best. He doesn't tell you five times in there for nothing, Right? I see whole theology is based on Jesus says one thing one time. He tells us five times here. This is a serious deal. So <clears throat> we are told we have access to the Father. And how many things are possible? All. It's limitless. It's the almighty power of God. See, listen, whatever we plant in our heart, you start from the, start from the end and work backwards. Meaning that, hey, if, if life is unpleasant, relationships are unpleasant, uh, finances are unpleasant, your, your health is unpleasant, it's not, Father, please heal me. I'm just going to use that one as an example. Has he healed you? Yes. He's outside of time. Yes, he's, he said, I am, the, I am healed. I, this is who I am. I can't do anything other than life, right? So we start from the end and work backwards, meaning that you start to see yourself vibrant. You start to see yourself whole. And then you go, thank you, Father, that I am whole. I thank you, Father, that your love, your light is flowing through every atom in my body. And you see yourself vibrant. You see yourself whole. You see yourself walking around, healed, joyful, etc. And when you continue to plant that in your heart, the Almighty, all power is released to make that happen in your life. That's how it works. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. When Peter Daniel says, hey, me meditating is my work, and I can get more done in three hours of meditation, seeing what I want my life to look like rather than three years of effort, is that a good deal? That's called inheritance, isn't it? 
That's how you release the almighty power of God. So anyway, that's what we need to be doing in relationships, in, in our finances. See yourself that way with gratitude. Thank you, Father, that this is what my life has looked like because as Jesus says, so am I in this world. That's true prayer. You guys got it? And it's not, can I have it? He's going, I've given you everything. All creation's yours. And I've given you a way how to do it. How do you create your own garden of Eden is plant the seeds in your heart. So he says, the real garden's your heart. And how you're going to experience life and life more abundantly is plant good things in there. If you plant good things in there, it's not if it's going to happen, it will happen. He tells us five times. Got it? That's good news, isn't it? So when, when we get knuckleheaded, self-inflicted nonsense, is that what you said, sin? Yes. Let's not be good at that. Sometimes I'm good at it. and I'm like, mm, you know better than this. You teach this stuff, right? But I know you guys are perfect. Never go there. But every now and then I go there. And then you just need to slap me, right? Yes, self, stop that self, I like that, I've never heard that, self-inflicted nonsense, because that's, that's what it is. We, we get to choose life, he says, choose life, I've set before you the right tree and the wrong tree, choose this one and then you'll experience life. So what's, what's, what, do we, what do we see our future as? Vibrant, whole, abundant, healthy, whatever you want your life to look like, right? In fact, uh, uh, Bill was telling me this story. I watched this service. This guy it was like, fascinating. So there, this guy was getting sued, and there's a bunch of, he's very religious, and he's like, drop it. He's telling the guy, drop it. He's like, what? He's like, drop it. I'm telling you, don't even go there in your mind. He says, start seeing the end from the beginning. What do you want it to look like? He goes, your, your thoughts, if that guy won't change, it's going to boomerang back on him. Is God doing it to him? No, he's doing it. He's eating from the wrong tree, right? He's starting to experience. That's why Jesus says, hey, if you want to be forgiven, forgive others. Not because he didn't forgive you. He removed sin as far as the east is from the west. So whose sin is getting you? Your own, right? When you're, when you're not forgiving somebody else, your own nonsense is eating you up. And they're crazy testimonies because the guy was saying, no, this, is, this, this made it very real to me. It was very vivid. I go, man, you are stirring me up. Because anyway, so the guy's like, okay. So he goes, just pray for the guy. Start blessing the guy that's suing you. And see the end from the beginning. See you totally whole. And the thing dropped. And, and all of a sudden he goes, man, the guy died. He goes, I didn't ask you to die. He's like, that's not God doing it. But whatever way, that, that has to produce. Life has to produce. So whatever way, is gonna, it's going to happen one way or the other. And there's testimony after testimony about that kind of stuff. How nothing can touch you when you stay in love. That, that's Psalm 91 in action, guys that nothing can touch you. Is that awesome or is that awesome? In fact, he said something else. He goes, if you stay in love, you can't have an accident. I'm like, this stirs me up. Yes, because we believe that. We were told, don't believe that. Act like us religious nuts and have accidents. So I was like, no, it's, time, it's sonship. It's, it's time to manifest the kingdom in my opinion, right? And it's not hard. That's the cool part. Whatever we plant here will produce. You guys got it? I'm getting all worked up. I'll let you go. So uh, we're members. <laughs> We share Jesus' life. That's what he's trying to show you. The whole scripture is, if you abide in me, if you abide in love, you're going to have this divine protection. You're going to have divine abundance. You're going to have divine everything because you're going to experience life and life more abundantly. Got it? So I'm going to pray for you. I don't know what you're, what you're dealing with, but as, as we're praying, you see the end. You see the end how you desire it, whether it's your body. You're not trying to be healed. You see yourself whole and, and, and vibrant and running around or with no pain or whatever, whatever that looks like to you. Whatever, if you're, if you're struggling financially, you see the end. Knowing that if I was married to a good husband and he had all the provision in the world and I'm his wife and I needed some provision, would he withhold it from me? Then there's no way it's being withheld from you. 
It has to happen. Ask you shall receive so your joy may be full. That's what we meditated on. Got it? I mean, you don't, you don't use the legal example to that extreme if you don't want, like we don't want people to die, but if, it, if that's what's necessary, that's what will happen. It's really, it's an interesting thing. It's not God doing it. Don't get me, because he can't do it. He's only life. It's the own guy's unforgiveness that's causing death in that guy. Follow me? Oh, oh so Father, we just thank you that uh, these, how we release the almighty power of God, all of you, and we, we, you give us visuals, just like nuclear energy. One atom splits, and it's enough energy to, to it, it can be used good or bad. It's enough energy to completely level a town, or it's enough energy to completely light a town and provide light and transportation. It's your power used good or bad. That's all it is. There's one source. There's one energy. There's one power, and it's your perfect love. When we use it incorrectly from the fallen mind, it produces death, we use it correctly, it produces life. So Father, we just thank you that as we're praying, if they need health, they get this picture of vibrancy and wholeness. If they can just touch the idea that you're one with you, that you love them perfectly, and you, of course you heal them. You can't deny yourself that they're already whole, that they see themselves whole. They don't have to worry if he's going to heal, not going to heal. Just give them light and revelation that they're whole. They're vibrant. And whatever that seed is planted in their heart, when they start to see that consistently, it must happen. That's how your whole kingdom works. And we just thank you for that. So Father, we thank you for supernatural abundance coming into their life. Whatever situation needs to happen, they start to picture themselves as the end result, full of contracts, full of abundance, full of promotions, whatever it is, just like Mark Venable's testimony that two times more than anybody else just because he could meditate and see the end from the beginning. And it just, just released because you love him. So Father, whatever things need to happen, people, places, contracts, ideas, whatever, just let it flow into them. We loose that into their life in Jesus' magnificent name. And relationships, we just start praying for people that we consider an adversary. We, we pour out our love to them because perfect love keeps us in perfect peace. And we just thank you that nothing can, can come against us when we're in love. We're in that beautiful hidden place where we can't even have accidents when you're in perfect love. And we just say thank you. That is called divine protection. That's how the almighty power of God is released. In Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. 